You're listening to the Fertility Academy podcast, episode 25. Today, I'm talking with my colleague Amrit all about natural medicine and fertility and Chinese medicine, so stay tuned. Welcome to Fertility Academy, a podcast where we provide you with information and tools to help you optimize your fertility to grow your family no matter where you are in your fertility journey. We offer interesting, creative, and evidence-based information and give you practical tools to help you get closer to your goal of building a family. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. I'm a fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified fertility specialist and fertility coach with over 10 years of experience helping my patients build their families. I'm so glad you're here with us. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome. I'm so glad you're here with me today. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking with Amrit Singh, a fellow registered acupuncturist in Toronto. She and I go way back, over a decade ago. We went to acupuncture school together, and I remember always really admiring Amrit's knowledge of pop culture and social media. And she was definitely one of the cool kids in class. And now over 10 years later, she's still one of the coolest acupuncturists I know super cheesy for me to say. Yes, I know this. She's super active on her social media accounts and has a huge following. And the reason why I love this so much is because she's spreading the word about the benefits of acupuncture and natural medicine. It's so good. Today, we're going to talk about her experience in treating many women's health cases over the years and her observations about what might contribute to modern day health struggles. And she gives some really basic yet unexpected tips for optimizing fertility according to Chinese medicine. This is such a great conversation. So before I play the interview, I want to offer Amrit's professional bio. Amrit Singh is a registered acupuncture and healthcare professional of the year and notable award winner. She's been working with women with their health for over a decade and is passionate about bringing acupuncture and Chinese medicine to the forefront. Through her experience as an acupuncturist focusing on cosmetic acupuncture, fertility, and digestive issues, Amrit began to see the impacts of how lifestyle, societal expectations, and numerous relationships were taking a toll on women's health, self-esteem, and mental health. She continues to educate through her Instagram account, Six Babe Beauty, and through her practice to bring natural solutions to women's health care. So without further delay, let's play my interview with Amrit Singh. Welcome, Amrit. Thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you for having me. So I've already read your bio in the introduction, but if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice, that'd be great. Yes. um, I've been practicing for over 10 years in downtown Toronto here in Canada. Um, I've changed my focus in my practice a few times. Um, I started a lot doing a lot of social justice and community work. I've done sports acupuncture. Now, mainly my practice has a focus on women's health. And I'd say cosmetic acupuncture is a big part of it as well. Amazing. And I'm always curious to ask people about this, but what made you get into acupuncture? Because it's such a it's such a mysterious thing to a lot of people who aren't in it or haven't experienced it. So do you have a story behind that? Yes, of course. I think we all do. I think we all do. Yeah. Um, mine came from pain. Um, that's another specialty that I've gone through over the years in my practice, I guess. I had a very bad back injury where I fell on the ice in Winnipeg, I think in 2003, Um, so I experienced chronic pain, you know, in my early twenties. And so 
nothing worked. I used to go for x-rays and physio and all these things. And then I moved to Toronto and I was like, oh, well, maybe the doctors in Toronto are smarter. Uh, and I kind of just was gradually getting better. Um, and I think it's because I was happier. And this is a walking city where Winnipeg would be more of a driving city. And I came across this clinic. Um, I went to Pilates, actually, which was, I think, core Pilates on the third floor. And um, I was walking down and I grabbed a flyer. I didn't know what it was. I just grabbed this flyer. And then, you know, as my back started kind of getting better, I emailed them and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And they said, why don't you just come in and talk to us? And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And I came in. And then when I talked to them, they're like, we think you should do acupuncture. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I'm here. I'm invested. Um, so I did. And it just helped me so much. Turns out, but that clinic was a student clinic at ITM, which then ended up being the school that I went to full circle. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, it's it's so random how so many of us end up in this profession that's really not a part of our culture growing up or the culture that, you know, we're from or that we live in. So it's so interesting how people just end up in these places where they're practicing this medicine. I want to dial it back a little bit because I think it's interesting to kind of pick out pieces of the conversation and things that we say kind of subconsciously. Um, but I noticed you talking about getting better because you were happier. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I had always been a big city girl, but I grew up in Winnipeg, right? So it's not a small town, but it's definitely a small city, especially back then. So when I used to come to Toronto for work, I used to work in the music industry, and I have family here, I was just always really happy. I loved the energy. I loved the buzz. I love like much music was here. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> much music. Oh, I feel like some of our audience won't even know what that is. But that's another story for another time. You know, and, and so everything that I was really into was here. Um, so then when I finally got to move here and I had my music industry job and I was doing all the things that I had wanted to do at a very young age. Um, so I was really happy. Um, and then, you know, like I was out and then again, that combined with the being out and moving and walking around more, I think started, well, I can say this to you, you'll understand my chi was moving, the liver was more free. So the pain was starting to release and everything was getting going basically. For sure. And it sounds to me like even on a deeper level, you might've just been a little bit closer to living your purpose or what you wanted for yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was way more aligned way more aligned. I That's agree. so great. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that story with us. That's so great. Um, so tell us about your current practice. What do you see the most of right now? Right now, um, I'd say in the past few years, my main focus is uh, cosmetic acupuncture. That's what people come in for the most. Amazing. And I know that you do a lot of women's health work as well, which is why I wanted to have you on the podcast today, because I think that talking to different practitioners is really interesting um, because we all see different types of people from different areas. Um, you know, even working in different areas of the city, you tend to see different people with different problems. Yes, for sure. After cosmetic acupuncture, and being like downtown, I'm not only in downtown, I'm in the financial district core, right? So I do see a lot of women's health. And that's where uh, I'd say secondary is fertility in that area. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so you'd be seeing a lot of, you know, corporate women downtown, 
um, type A career personalities. Yeah. I mean, what has it been like for you in the last year with COVID? Has that affected the kind of person that you're seeing or people's ability to come see you for treatments? Definitely. Um, I'm not seeing the same amount of people. I'm not seeing the same people because majority of my patients before were people in the towers, you know, and the towers are empty and they've been empty for over a year. Um, So a lot of the people who come now are referrals, word of mouth, Instagram. Amazing. So tell us a little bit about your Instagram. I I have to say, as kind of an aside, you were always kind of the cool kid in class to me in acupuncture school. Like I was the nerd with the glasses and you were the person who was like all into pop culture and social media, whatever that meant, you know, 15 years ago, because it's obviously really different. Um, But I always just loved how you owned that part of yourself. And you were just like, yeah, that's who I am. And that's what I do. And you've carried that forward so brilliantly throughout your career. And the thing I love most about the fact that you have this huge following on Instagram is that you're spreading the word about acupuncture and natural health and these concepts that sometimes don't get talked about in your face. So tell us a little bit about your channel and what you do. Thank you for all those kind words. Um, That is the main, always going to be the main mission with my um, Instagram channel is the education component. I've been passionate about that you know, since I started in my practice was my treatments were always more educational based. Instagram and social media has been so great because it's given me a platform to share that. So it's one thing to share one-on-one with a patient. It's one thing to share in a workshop or in an article, but like, it's so easy to share on Instagram. And it's so easy then for people to continue sharing. And I know a lot of people look at Instagram and be like, oh, it's so much work. And it is a lot of work. I find it very fulfilling. It really makes me happy. And that's why I can do it with such ease because it's something that I've always wanted to do. So my page, although I have, you know, an online store and I sell products, I don't really talk about go on my store and blah, blah, blah. Not as much as I think someone with a store would. My page first and foremost has always been education. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you're taking the more cosmetic side of things and saying, hey, let's look at internally what's going on to contribute to what's going on on the outside of your body. But at the same time, it's this really aesthetically beautiful, put together um, piece of art, really. And it's so cool to see such brilliant medical information being provided in a way that I think is easily digestible to people out there. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about women's health. Um, I'd love to know, what are your thoughts on why women are experiencing so many fertility issues right now? I mean, if we look at the statistics, we're looking at one in six couples that go through fertility struggles. So as somebody who's seen these types of struggles for the better part of a decade at this point, what are your thoughts on why people are experiencing it to this degree right now? I think there's so many reasons. I think one of the main reasons, and I hate to say it, is that people are waiting longer. So if you just want to look at biology, um, you know, I think couples are waiting longer to get pregnant because doing the things that we're supposed to do 
take longer now because everything's more expensive. So you want to have a wedding, weddings are more expensive. Then you need a down payment for a house. Houses are more expensive. Everything is going to take longer now um, because you need to save more to do these things if that is your path. And so by the time you, oh, then you need X amount of dollars in the bank and then you need this and then you need that. And by the time you get there, you prob most people are probably already in their like early mid thirties. You know, and ideally you don't like, you know, Chinese medicine, our cycles are seven years. So by 28, you kind of already want to be done by 28. You haven't even had your house and some people feel they need the house first. So it's I think a lot of it has to do with people waiting longer. Um, and then I think a lot of it has to do with lifestyle and stress, sadly, and all these pressures that are put on women. And and it's not I hate to say this, too. It's not getting better. I think they're getting worse. Yeah, absolutely. That's a conversation that we have quite often on the podcast, actually, that this, the burden of the emotional labor that it takes to go into making a child is very much placed on the woman in such a big way. And combining that with all the pressures that we have put on us to, I'm using quote fingers to do it all, you know, to have this perfect life and then go and have perfect babies. It's a lot of pressure. Do you talk to your, your patients about that on a regular basis? All the time. Yeah. All the time. I mean, I think the other problem, and I don't know if this is like a Bay Street financial district problem is that, okay, so you have to go to work, right? So you got to, Hair, makeup, outfit, heels, spanks, pantyhose, like all of these things, right? And then you have to go present and you got to do this and you got to get all this information out and presentations and whatever. And then you have to go make these fertility appointments. It's not just one appointment a month. People are sometimes going a few times a week, depending on what's going on. Then you have to hide that you're doing this because you don't want your colleagues or your boss knowing you're getting pregnant. So now there's all this extra stress. Maybe at home, you're not getting the support. Who knows? And then on top of that, you have this hiding energy, you know? And I think that that, I don't, this is not necessarily something we can measure, but I think that plays a role. And I, it must emotionally, as I call it, like psychologically, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And it's just, and so that's something I talk about too. And I will share some stories, obviously anonymously. So women don't feel so alone. I'm like, you know, you're not the only person going through this in this legit area. I wouldn't be surprised if like someone two cubicles down were going through it just as much as you were. Yeah, that's a really important topic. And I think that just in general, in the fertility community, we talk a lot about eating the right foods and getting the acupuncture and doing the diet and doing the yoga and all these other things. But it's also just as important to address, you know, basically your daily actions and your stage in life and what your expectations of yourself are, because sometimes it's that self-talk that comes up that we're, as women, we expect so much of ourselves. And sometimes we're legit, like beating ourselves down on a daily basis because we can't do it all. And then our bodies aren't working in the way we want to, but it's, it's hard. Those cultural forces that are telling us that we have to be all these things and do all these things are, are really tough to contend with. So do you have any advice for people who are kind of having these overwhelming feelings of needing to do it all and contain it in their spanks at the same time? <laughs> I try to tell them 
like to, they have to create like a more of a support system outside of work, like find a couple friends that you feel comfortable telling. And I think it was Mount Sinai for a while had like, I don't know if it's a, maybe they're not doing it anymore, but they had a support group for women who were getting fertility treatments. I wish there were more of that because I had two patients that used to go to that and they loved it. Especially, I think maybe because it was outside their circle of friends. Yeah. And I just think just being with people that are going through the same thing makes a huge difference as well. It's hard because there's so much shame that surrounds fertility issues. And so it's hard to talk about it to other people. But if you can find a support group of people that are in it with you, it can definitely help to make you feel like you're not so alone. And I think that people are running a lot of really great things online these days. Um, I know the woman, Amira, who was doing the support group at Mount Sinai has now moved her program online. Um, so there's a lot of people doing that kind of work, which is great. So what are some of the top things that you think that women can do to increase their fertility? What are some things that you talk to your patients about? I very much go, the, I, I always call it our broken record of Chinese medicine, which is the keeping warm, avoiding cold. Um, so I always go through the same things. Always keep your feet covered, right? No bare feet, no cold feet. Um, I talk about wearing a haramaki, which is, you know, like the abdomen warmer. So always having an undershirt, no cold foods, no smoothies, no salads, especially in the winter, um, and switching to more um, whole foods, cooked foods, soups, um, foods like that. Because I really try to keep it simple so people don't feel overwhelmed. And I do truly do believe that that whole side of Chinese medicine of the everything warm and nothing cold, I feel like could change society because I feel it's so powerful, especially for our bodies. Um, so I really push that as much as possible. And then I often say, and I think this is when it hits women the most as I see the change. I'm like, you are an incubator. Whenever you've seen an incubator, it is always warm. And they're like, oh yeah. And then I think they get a visual image and then they're like, cool, I can do this. When I bring the TDP lamp over, I'm like, incubation time. <laughs> I love that. That's perfect. That's such a good analogy. Um, and I think that you know, part of the disconnect for a lot of people is that at least in the health and wellness world that we're sometimes a part of as fertility practitioners, we see all of these, again, I'm using quote fingers, healthy foods, where it's like salads and smoothies and raw food. And so it sounds like you're advising that people eat cooked food and non-cold foods. Could you tell us a little bit more about that incubator and why you would want to keep that warm according to TCM energetics and thermal properties? Yeah, for sure. And I just want to say too, like, I think where that all comes from, the very Western approach, the smoothies and the salads and that being healthy. And I think I want to say, I think that's a very West Coast California health vibe. And in a dry, hot climate year round like that, maybe it can work for something. There's no absolutes, I think, in anything. Um, but I think that's where a lot of it comes from. But in a Canadian climate, I don't think it really works. And the reason here, I'll circle back to your question, is that 
you know, in Chinese medicine, we have this digestifier and you could say the Western equivalent is similar to hydrochloric acid. So you have, which breaks down, it helps to break down your food alongside enzymes. And you have this fire that's constantly burning. But when you have cold foods like cold water, ice water, ice cream, raw foods, it takes more energy for your body to break that down and it makes your body cold. So one, you're not getting the nutrients as much. You're wasting energy when you need more energy to be focused on fertility. And then your organs, your abdomen is cold. But what's at the lower part of your abdominal cavity, all your reproductive organs. So keeping everything in that area warm. And, you know, I often tell my patients, like, why don't you like put your hands on your abdomen? Sometimes it's patchy, right? Sometimes like up and like near the ribs, it's cold and below it's warm or vice versa. And so they get an idea, again, a more visual, a physical reference to why the warm is better and cold is, is not the vibe <laughs> for fertility. What do you say to all of these fashion trends these days where like everything is cropped, everything is midriff bearing, everything is so exposed in that area? Do you have to have fashion conversations with your patients as well? Yeah, I do. And it's really funny because it, well, I leave the heat on my house extremely warm. Um, and sometimes, you and I, I will say like I have my own crop tops and I don't wear them like out in public, especially not now. Um, but when it's warmer, I might. But you know, like I might wear them in the house and I'll put a picture like, oh, work from home outfit today. People are like, oh, you're wearing a cropped up. I'm like, it's also 80 degrees in my house right now. <laughs> also not trying to get pregnant. So it's cool. You know, so that's part of it. So yeah. And again, no absolutes. When it's a consistent 30 degrees plus Celsius here, um, you know, I might wear a crop top outside. Yeah. But like, yeah, but like in 15, like now, no, no, <laughs> would be, I would feel, I probably, I don't think I'd get sick, but I wouldn't feel good. I would feel my chi going down for sure. Hmm. Interesting. And so when you talk about that chi, you're obviously talking about the energy that I think some people are familiar with and some people aren't. Um, we actually haven't talked about Chinese medicine energetics that much on the podcast yet. That might be another full episode upcoming. But I think it's really interesting to talk about, again, a broader conversation about those Western health practices that a lot of people have adopted as a symbol of this is what a healthy person does, um, you know, eating these salads and smoothies and raw foods. And then the other aspect is exercising to such a degree that they're just draining mm. themselves of all of the energy in their body where they're sweating profusely and their heart rate is going crazy and they're just losing all this fluid. And what I see so often come into my clinic is people who are just tired and drained and dry <laughs> and, you know, just lacking generally in energy altogether. So I'm interested in your thoughts about that. Do you see a lot of that in your clinical practice as well? Oh my God. When you started bringing up the excessive workouts, that is another, like in addition to the new fashion trends, especially and it's going to be big this year. Not only is it crop tops, but it's like bralettes as tops. Oh my gosh. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's going to, if you go shopping now, like it's not crop tops. They're basically just bras in knit fabrics, FYI. So it's, that's going to get worse. But in addition, yes, it's the excess working out. And I'm just like, 
okay, I'm supposed to work out to be healthy, but now I'm working out too much. And so it becomes confusing. And I'm sorry, I don't know what like the stat is like at the top of my head, but there is a certain percentage of fat that if you go below it, it affects your hormones. And that percentage of fat happens to also coincide with if you want your abs to show, it needs to be at this much body percentage. So it's a choice. Do you want abs or do you want the percentage of body fat, you know, that keeps your hormones regular if you're trying to get pregnant? And I just don't think enough women know about this. And I get it. It's confusing because we're all supposed to have abs. And then, you know, if you choose to have babies, it's like, it's, these are polar opposite types of information that are being fed to women that are affecting our physical and our mental health. Yeah. And it, again, it speaks to that greater cultural influence when, you know, we really kind of, if if we look deeply at it, it's kind of this paradigm that we're faced with where we're supposed to be fit and skinny and sexy and have abs and basically be totally objectified and there for people's viewing pleasure. But when that doesn't lend itself to being conducive to doing this other thing that we're very much expected to do, whether we want to or not, is is to make babies, that's a really tough thing to contend with. It's so, this is what I mean. It's not only so much society's pressures, it's also the conflicting information that society's expectations are putting on women, Mm -hmm. which adds a whole other layer to it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it can make people, it can make people really, well, angry. And you talked about being triggered because, you know, we're being told one message by one body of knowledge and another message by another. And it's tough to go through all of this information and know what's right for you. Because in this day and age where anybody with a huge Instagram following, even if they don't have the education to back it up like yourself, And as somebody who does have, you know, quite a big influence, I mean, you have nearly 30,000 followers on Instagram. Do you have any advice for people who are looking to kind of wade through the information and, and find legitimate, credible sources? Can you provide any recommendations for people? Yeah, I always say this to people who are on a healing journey from anything, and I think it applies to fertility as well, is that you should find your team and your stream that works for you. Because if you go down too many paths, it gets confusing, right? So if you go down the Western health path, then it's um, generally general, like Western wellness path, let's say, then it is smoothies, salads, kale you know, and work out like crazy, low percent body fat. If you go the Chinese medicine route, you know, we're all about like keeping warm, gentle movements, meditation, Tai Chi, Qigong. And again, these are conflicting. And then if you want to go full Western, like allopathic only, you know, they might not have very many recommendations, like, oh, what you eat, it doesn't affect anything that you do. So whatever you bring into your life to help you along this, just stick with it and ignore the rest of the noise. It's just going to pull you in different directions. So you find your team, the people that you feel get you, that are aligned with your vibe. You like them. You're happy to see them. You feel good when you leave. And then you feel the same way with information that you're reading and applying to your life. I think those two things then also reduce the amount of resistance um, that you will experience as you go along. 
Yeah, that's really great advice. Thank you so much for that. So I know that people out there are really interested in following along with you on your uh, journey as you navigate through Instagram stardom. So if you could let people know how to find you and follow you, that'd be great. Yes, of course. I am on Instagram. Um, it's called Six Bay Beauty. That's the name of my account. Um, so the number six, B-A-B-E, beauty. And that's the same as my website as well, sixbaybeauty.com. Awesome. I'll make sure that I put all of that in the show notes so people can click it and follow you really easily. Amber, thank you so much for being on. This was a great conversation. I think it's always interesting to get into the nitty gritty and the deeper reasons for why we do what we do. So again, thank you. And we'll look forward to having you back again sometime. Of course. Thank you so much. So that was my interview with Amrit. I highly recommend checking out her social channels and following her. I'll make sure I pop all of that in the show notes so it's easy for you to find. She's so generous with the free information that she provides and you might find something helpful along the way. I'm going to be back next Wednesday with another episode. So until then, take care. Thank you for joining us on Fertility Academy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you loved our content today, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with someone who you think might find it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to be notified of new episodes. A new one comes out every Wednesday. To keep in touch with us and to continue the conversation, you can find us over on Instagram at Fertility Academy or join us on our private Facebook group, the Fertility Academy Community. Both are linked in the show notes today. Until next time, have a great week.